Hey everyone, welcome back to Pucks and Pages. My name is Steven, that is my lovely wife, Liberty. We're a married couple with different interests, and we're trying to bring each other into our hobbies with the latest news in both books and sports. And today is the sports episode. Again. Yes. Sadly. Yeah. We'll lead off by saying if we sound snuffly, we are, because we're both sick. Yay, with colds. I swear, I've had more colds since I've gotten over COVID than, like, the two years previous combined. I don't know if that says anything about COVID long callers or what. I, I think it says something about the fact that you beat a virus that some people don't beat. Your immune system is like, hey, remember we beat that heavyweight title fighter that you put up on so us? So you're just going to catch every cold that comes around? <laughs> For a little while anyways. It's Rude. Like, I'm tired and worn out. <laughs> but we'll try to get through this with as little sniffles as possible. In the meantime, we apologize and hopefully our post-editing is great. Yes, our post-editing. Yeah. But starting the week out with NHL like I always want to. Yes. We actually had a lot of, like, player health and, like, player safety issues this week. It was disgusting. Well, I'm glad you got some news on that because I only have three. I have, like, two pages of NHL notes. It's a lot. Ooh, you're going to be carrying the weight in the NHL today. Well, let's get into it. All right. For the start with player health, we have the New York Rangers' Alexander Gorgiev, I think is how you say his name. The goalie, right? He left the game against the Boston Bruins on Sunday, February 28th. He received a cut above his left eye when Bruins for Nick Ritchie fell on him in the first period. Interesting. Like, if he is the goalie, how do you even get anything in there to cut him with? Well, it could have just been the gear, though. That's true. That has happened before. Yeah. You have three players from the St. Louis Blues who've all been put as indefinitely out for the team with an upper body injury. I don't know what happened, but all of a sudden they're coming down with upper body injury problems that are apparently somewhat long-term. You have Colton Pareko, Jaden Schwartz, and Tyler Bozak all being put on IR by GM Doug Armstrong. That's rough. I wonder if upper body injuries are considered like COVID. They're just not saying it is. Like it affects your upper body. No, they just say that they're out and they don't specify when it's COVID. So if they're specifying, it's probably not COVID. Yeah. But the good news for them is that Tarasenko comes back this week. So like a guy that's been MIA for almost what it seems like the last two full seasons. But you're losing three players to one guy. Like that's not exactly even. Yeah. And then you had Ryan Ellis, who will be out four to six weeks for the Nashville Predators due to an upper body injury. The Ottawa Senators forward Derek Steppen will be out for the season with a shoulder injury he sustained in the win against Montreal Canadiens on February 23rd. So the injury isn't new, but the fact that he's out for the season and has to probably have surgery based on how long he's going to be out. Yeah, it was related to an old injury, a dislocated shoulder, uh, which they're saying led to labrum damage because he's been playing with the injury. That's fun. They probably put it back into joint, and when they did, it tore, and now they have to go in and fix it. That happens a lot with dislocations, especially, like, big joints. Yeah. So that makes sense. Then Nico Heischer, I think. And it was Stepan, not, you know, Stepan, or whatever, however you said it previously. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, this other guy, Nico. He sure, yeah. He is going to be week to week for the New Jersey Devils due to a sinus fracture he obtained during the loss to the Washington Capitals on Saturday, February 27th, when he was struck in the visor with a deflected puck. Yikes. Which was shot by his own teammate. Friendly fire. Yeah, P.K. Subban did it. And he is currently in concussion protocols. Go figure. Yeah, he was also stated that he's happy that visors are a requirement now in the NHL to players of, you know, certain year on. Only because if he hadn't been wearing the visor, he would have probably had an exploded eye inside of his eye socket based on the way the puck was traveling. So yay for visors. Well, and when he finally does come back, he'll probably have that cage. Yeah. That they wear whenever they've had some sort of face fracture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sinus fracture. Just like, you know, it doesn't sound fun. No, it doesn't. Yeah. I don't know how it gets set besides surgery. I feel like that's how you have to fix it. Yeah. Then you have Anaheim Ducks defenseman Hampus Lindholm, who will be out six weeks with a fractured wrist. 
And the last injury I have is that Nashville Predators forward Matt Duchesne will be out three to five weeks with a lower body injury, which isn't COVID because you don't keep COVID in your legs. No, definitely not. Yeah, that, you covered all the ones I had, so I, I'm, I'm proud to know that I got at least about half of your injuries on the list. <laughs> I have a lot more of players being bad than I had injuries, or at least that's what it felt like when I was doing the research. <laughs> players behaving badly. Well, if you want to start off with the week's biggest hot topic one was the Ovechkin spearing situation. That one was ugly. I don't have all the information on it. I know you do, but he basically was being antagonized by an opposing player. And the player dropped the gloves like he was ready to fight. And then later in the game, Ovechkin speared him when the two of them came together again. So I don't have that at all. Oh, so. it, was, it was an ugly event. The two of them had been going back and forth at it all game. Ovechkin originally was basically the opposing player dropped the gloves and Ovechkin was just looking at him like why would I waste my time fighting you you're just some no-name kid that joined the roster but uh it continued I guess throughout the game and eventually led to Ovechkin spearing him did he get a penalty or he was penalized but he wasn't fined is he gonna have anything with player safety any Uh, hearings or anything as far as I know not yet nothing's really been announced about it but it was the hot topic of the week on a lot of the NHL forums that I was looking at. So, But I'm sure you have some other fun ones. Well, Edmonton Oilers forward Alex Shison had a hearing with the NHL Department of Player Safety on Tuesday, March 2nd. He is facing discipline for cross-checking Toronto Maple Leafs forward Jimmy Vasey. Jimmy Vasey. From the hearing, it's been decided that he will be suspended for one game without pay for the offense. Under the terms of the CBA and based on his average annual salary, he will forfeit $18,534.48. It's one of the biggest ones in a while that I've heard. Right. And the money will go to the Players Emergency Assistance Fund. It's good. You also had Carolina Hurricanes forward Nino Niederreier. I hope that's how you say that. Nailed it. He has been fined the maximum allowable under the CBA of $5,000 for him for interference against Nashville Predators goaltender Juice Soros. There's a J and two U's. I have no clue. I'm going to look that up. In the game on March 2nd, which is also that Tuesday. UC Soros. And San Jose Sharks forward Joachim Blitchfield had a hearing with the NHL Department of Player Safety on Thursday. He's facing discipline for an illegal check to the head of Colorado Avalanche forward Nathan McKinnon. He has been suspended for two games without pay, which means under the terms of the current CBA and based on salary, he will forfeit $12,701.14. And the money will go to the Players Emergency Assistance Fund. Some big fines this week. There's more. <laughs> you had Carolina Hurricanes defenseman Brett Pesci being fined $5,000 for a trip against Detroit Red Wings forward Robbie Fabry during the game on Thursday, March 4th. You also, for my last one of these fun hearings and penalties and whatever, had Washington Capitals forward Tom Wilson, who had a hearing with the NHL Department of Player Safety. He is facing discipline for boarding Boston Bruins defenseman Brando Carlo, and this incident occurred during the 5-1 loss on Friday. Now, Carlo ended up going to the hospital for whatever injuries he had from that, but he was released I think it was last night. Yeah, so the punishment did come out roughly about like 12, 13 hours ago. He's going to be suspended for seven games for that one. Nice. Yeah, it's it's a pretty ugly hit. I mean, you get to someone's like head and neck area, like, youch. It was a dangerous hit, to say the least. And, yeah. and you know, afterward, he swatted him with the stick trying to get the puck out so it's just like man don't knock someone when they're already down guy. yeah so seven games fitting i agree boarding is like there are a lot of things that get hearings and penalties and i'm like it wasn't that bad but like boarding is one of those big ones yeah so i they I can completely... be really nasty and can literally lead to like career ending injuries yeah so and then i've got a handful of news that isn't players behaving badly. It's good. The Dallas Stars have signed Maverick Bork to a three-year entry-level contract on Monday, March 1st. He's a 19-year-old Ford who was chosen as the number 30 pick of the 2020 NHL draft. Yeah, he's got a really cool name too. I guess. 
Then Jeff Ward was fired as coach of the Calgary Flames on Thursday, March 4th. He was quickly replaced by Daryl Sutter. At this moment, he isn't able to join the team, Sutter, until Monday with him running practice on Tuesday, which is the day this episode comes out. Yeah, he's got to follow the COVID protocol to come and join the team itself. Yeah. Um, He's already had a head coaching stint in Calgary, most famously known for being the head coach of the Los Angeles Kings during their winning runs in the early 2000s. So I think he's going to be a good coach for the team. I just don't know that he's going to be able to turn anything around this year, like maybe give him a season and see what he can do. Calgary's always had decent depth. They just don't seem to put things together sometimes. Yeah. Speaking of firings, also this week, the Canadians' GM fired their goaltending coach mid-game during the second intermission. I didn't hear that it was in the middle of a game. Yeah. That's crazy. Stefan Waite was the goalie coach um, back to the 2013 and 14 season with Carey Price. Carey Price won the Goalie of the Year award, which is the Vezina Trophy, uh, or Vezina Trophy, in 2014-15 season, so... You know, this is the guy that basically got him to be where Carey Price was level-wise, winning those types of things. He was also previously the head coach or the goaltending coach for the Chicago Blackhawks as well uh, in the 2010 to the 2013 season. So, You win um, some cups in that time? Two of them, yeah, to be exact. And into Saturn news, as if firings weren't bad enough. Mark Pavlich, I think is how you say his name, who was part of the U.S.'s Miracle on Ice gold medal winning men's hockey team at the 1980 Lake Placid Olympics, died on Thursday at age 63. There was no cause of death given at the time. He scored seven points in seven games at the Olympics. He had two assists, including one on Mike Eruzion's game-winning goal. He played seven NHL seasons between the New York Rangers, Minnesota North Stars, and San Jose Sharks. It's kind of sad to see that like people from that era are already passing away. But He is kind of young yeah. to, to already be passing away, yes. What was crazy about that was at that time, if you were competing in the Olympics... You couldn't be a professional athlete. So, like, in Russia, they had professional leagues, but they weren't considered professional because they weren't on the Olympics radar, basically. So, like, you had these Russian teams that were just basically all professional hockey players playing against collegiate athletes. Ah, okay. So, you know, it... That's hence why it was kind of the miracle on ice. Like you had all these countries from around the world that had their own programs. Yeah, they weren't professional players in the sense that like the NHL would be now, but still it's pretty crazy to see, you know, a bunch of college kids beat these guys. So also this week, we also lost uh, the father of hockey, Walter Gretzky, uh, Wayne Gretzky's father. It hit the community of the hockey world pretty hard just because he's very big in like the charitable side of the hockey world now as well to just a player, coach. Obviously, the father of Wayne Gretzky is probably a pretty important feat in itself as well. So, You also had Chicago Blackhawks defenseman Brent Seabrook, who has retired at 35 years old due to an injury in his right hip. He was placed on long-term injured reserve and hasn't played a game in this season. He said he made the decision after practicing with the taxi squad on Saturday, February 27th, when he wasn't really able to keep up with the people on the taxi squad. He basically came out and said he could get a good five or ten minutes of practice in and then he was wiped like he couldn't do anything. Yeah, and as we discussed, you know... After seeing his like post-career interview as he was retiring, he came out and basically stated that he had no more cartilage in his right hip yeah, and all sorts of arthritis in his right hip. And he goes, the irritating thing is, he goes, my left hip was completely fine. Sunday morning, he stated basically that he wasn't able to really walk that well after the practice from the previous day, which he stated was a pretty light load. So it's it's sad to see him go. Obviously, a lot of people have asked him if he's going to come back and coach with the organization. His response basically right at the moment was, I've got four kids. I'd like to spend a little bit of time with them. He goes, my wife has been basically picking up this load and I've been traveling with the taxi squad and practicing with the taxi squad every day while she's in Canada taking care of our four kids. And she goes, she deserves a break is what he said. Yeah. So 
He finished his career with 103 goals and 361 assists in 1,114 regular season games. He also had 20 goals and 39 assists in 123 playoff games. So. And he's only ever been with your team, right? Yeah, all 15 years of his career. Mm -hmm. So, like, he was lucky as far as that goes. Yeah. Him and Duncan Keith have been together pretty much from the get-go. So yeah. um, they were roommates with each other in each other's first seasons. And, you know, he goes, it's it's sad to lose a brother, you know, not being able to have a conversation with him daily. And he goes, thank God we have cell phones, is what he yeah. said. <laughs> but the last piece of NHL news that I have is actually really funny to me. I mean, not if I was in that situation, probably. But the Vegas Golden Knights had to move hotels in the middle of a road trip due to the hotel they were staying at going bankrupt. Yeah. And it just basically went, you guys got to go, we're, we're done. The Golden Knights, who are in San Jose for a two-game set against the Sharks, learned on Friday that the hotel they were staying at was shutting down and they had to find somewhere else to stay. And this was a game day for them, so... They ended up having their usual pregame meal and nap, but were told to pack before they left for the game. The good thing for them is they have people who handle their crap. So basically everyone got packed up, they went and did their actual jobs, and then they were put into the hotel that they were then moved to. So I couldn't imagine the logistics of it though. It's probably madness. Oh, it was way worse for the people who had to actually, like, handle that crap. Yeah. Like, more so than just packing their bags. Yeah. But apparently, there are some players who bring their consoles with them anytime they have a road trip. Yeah. And so, like, you had a couple players who took the longest because they had to pack up all their consoles and stuff. Yeah. I couldn't imagine taking your console, but, like... I could. I don't play that. The last video game I played was Rayman Legends. So and, like, and that was a redo of an original game? Yeah. Yeah. So I couldn't imagine that, but... <laughs> and then there was a weird amount of NFL news, but that's just because it's time for signings and firings and everything else. Yeah, I have a little bit of NFL news as well, so... The Buffalo Bills announced on Friday that they have signed Micah Hyde to a two-year extension... The deal is worth $19.25 million and keeps him under contract through 2023. Some big money is for safety, but uh, he's been a number one guy since he's played with the Packers for years, so it's not shocking. Uh, This week in a little sadder news, Washington football team had agreed with Alex Smith to part ways with one another. Both Ron Rivera, Alex Smith, and the general manager all met with one another and basically just were like, yeah... You know, we don't really want you here. You don't really want to be here. So good luck. So he's a free agent now. And as a San Diego native, it's sad to see him, you know, out on his butt right now. Especially after the fact that he won eight games after what should have been altering not being able to walk surgeries. Yeah. So it's like most of your wins came from the dude. How could you just throw him out on his butt like that? There was also the weird news that an autographed Tom Brady rookie card sold for $1.32 million, making it the most expensive single football card to date. I mean, I guess it's not weird. He just won another Super Bowl, but... Right. Like, smart of the guy to sell it now rather than wait, but at the same time, like, that card is old. Yeah, the only time I think it would be more valuable is when it came to, like, Hall of Fame induction time, Mm. but... Maybe the person couldn't wait that long. Yeah. And not a bad time to do it, that's for sure, because, like, the spotlight's on him, so. Well, plus he could get worse as he gets older. It hasn't happened yet, but that doesn't mean it won't happen. Right. The Philadelphia Eagles and center Jason Kelsey have agreed on a new deal for 2021. He will be paid up to $12 million with a $9 million guarantee. Nice. Three quarters of his salary just guaranteed. Not a bad way to go. Freaking ridiculous. No. In a weird bit of news, the Washington football team will be replacing its cheerleaders with a co-ed dance team. I'm hoping to see, like, crazy breakdancing dance battles and things like that at halftime instead, because that would be so cool. Like, beatboxing. I just think this is a stupid way to try to deal with all the crap that they've had going on. Pretty much is what it is, yeah. It's it's an attempted PR stunt that is very visible. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think I approve. You can see through the the BS, basically. Yes. Yeah. I had a good laugh about it. You know what? You do you. Yeah. Whatever. The Kansas City Chiefs fullback Anthony Sherman announced his retirement on Thursday in a video posted to Twitter. 
Based on the video and hashtag, it seems he'll be working in law enforcement now that he's done with football. Apparently, he was a team fan favorite. I don't know anything about him. Me neither. Apparently, he's going to work in the sheriff's office. Cool. Good for him. Honestly, I mean, it's better than some guys. Some guys just... Well, as a fullback, he's used to blocking people, but I still wouldn't want to get hit by him. Yeah. Like, I couldn't fathom, like, trying to run away from an NFL fullback. I feel like that would be a Do poor choice. Do they run a lot? Well, they're the blockers for running backs, so yes. Okay. They have to be able to just as fast as running backs usually, and a little bit bigger. He could probably lay the hurt on some people. Yeah. <laughs> ben Roethlisberger signed a new contract with the Steelers on Thursday. He took a $5 million pay cut for the 2021 season to stay with the team. Yeah. They've been having cap issues, apparently. They've had some cap issues due to a lot of really poor signings over the years. And then they threw a bunch of money at Juju Schuster last year. So that's a little bit of the problem. Okay. They need to learn how to negotiate, apparently. Sounds like it. Maybe just a hair. The Detroit Lions have agreed to terms on a one-year contract with Tyrell Williams. He was released by Las Vegas on February 24th. The deal is worth $4.7 million in base salary and has a maximum value of $6.2 million. Everybody's getting paid. Yeah. Speaking of getting paid, you have J.J. Watt announcing on social media on Monday, March 1st, that he'll be joining the Arizona Cardinals. He is signing a two-year deal worth $31 million with $23 million guaranteed. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah. I I knew it was going to be big. I was hoping that, based off of a comment that he made, that he wanted to be closer to his wife, who plays professional soccer in Chicago, hoping he'd end up in my city i understood that we didn't have that kind of money though based on cap reasons so it probably wasn't gonna happen but um it's more of a lateral move yeah as far as north and south goes though east to west he's further away from his wife now yeah so like the big thing for him was that he wanted to be with a team that had good offensive depth so that there was a balance because in houston he was just he was getting worn out because they were on the field so much because the offense wasn't on the field. So. But what about, what's his face, the crybaby? Deshaun Watson. He throws for a lot of yards, but that's about it. But he basically said that he had faith in Kyler Murray as a quarterback to run a good offense. And he said, why not bolster their defense a little bit as well? But I love the story behind how he ordered all the shirts when he had it down to the last four teams. He ended up having his brother's high school friend order them and pay for them. And then he paid them back just because he didn't want the fulfillment center person to be like, why is J.J. Watt ordering these shirts? Yeah. I thought that was pretty funny. I mean, I feel like that's a little paranoid, but also in the day of social media and everyone has a camera on their phone, like maybe it's not as paranoid as I think it is. Why wouldn't you just put a fake name on it? Like... And then just have it delivered. Because the name on the credit card, baby? I guess, yeah, the billing information. That's all I can think of. Yeah. But the last piece of NFL news I have, I thought was pretty curious. Like, I want to know more, but I'm also, like, a true crime junkie kind of person. So, like, that might just be me. You had former NFL defensive tackle Lewis Nix who passed away at 29 years old. He was reported missing this past Wednesday and was found Saturday per the Jacksonville Sheriff's Office. He had recently survived a December shooting outside a Jacksonville gas station. He was a Jacksonville native and had been out of the NFL for four years when he passed. That's crazy. I just, I know that they probably can't tell us more because it's probably an ongoing investigation, but I do think something shady was happening, especially with the shooting that happened in December. Well, they found his car in a pond. Yeah. Well, and they couldn't find his cell phone, I believe. Yeah. So, like, those are all things. Yeah. If they're not a red flag, they're like a very dark purple, almost red flag. I have a few more pieces left. So uh, this week also the Seahawks released Josh Gordon. Uh, Josh Gordon is going to be playing football in a fan-owned football league, I guess. Don't know how much money that will pay him. Probably not the millions of dollars the NFL does, but he'll be one of the big names playing in that league. Uh, Also this week, Maya Shaka becomes the first African-American woman NFL official. She will begin her role in the upcoming 2021 season. She's been partaking in the league's program to basically get you to NFL standards of officiating since 2014. So she's been working her way up and she made it. Sounds like it should have happened before now. She's been working on it seven years. 
the the program Jeez. itself does take a while. They normally require so many collegiate games refereed, and that's what she's been working on. So, mm. but also this week in good news, Aaron Rodgers gives one million dollars to eighty local businesses in his hometown of Chico, California. It will predominantly go as a fund to restaurants and retail businesses with less than twenty employees. So he's really aiming to try to help the mom and pop businesses. The in Chico. small businesses, mm-hmm. yeah. It's a pretty cool little thing that he did. As far as MLB news goes, I always hate doing MLB just because A, their website is crap. B, they think everything is news when it's not. Yeah. I I showed you a video of who I thought you were from a spring training game related to baseball this week where they were just sleeping underneath a blanket and the husband husband was was cheering. That is exactly our relationship towards baseball. Like... (laughs) I could sleep through any game no matter what, and you're excited about baseball. Even when it's not necessarily your team, which makes me curious about how your brain works. You you would be excited then if we ever take a trip to Arizona for spring training, because there's nice grassy lawns in all the outfields, and you could just lay down and take a nap. The last time I took a nap out in the sun, I ended up with second degree sunburn. We'll get you a big blanket. Yeah. Yeah. But let's get this over with for the MLB. The Toronto Blue Jays' number one prospect, Nate Pearson, got a grade one strain to his groin during Monday's game against the Pirates. They currently have no timeline for a return. That sucks. That's the one reason I don't like spring training games, just because they always put you a little bit at risk. Like, people aren't competing at 100%. You don't see guys, like, making diving catches or anything like that in spring training, but, like, at you the don't same time... Need- yeah. To possibly get injured. Especially if you're like a number one prospect. They know you're probably going to make the roster this year. So it's like, why are you going out and showboating right now? Like, well, they, know they you've feel got like they need to prove themselves so they can make the team is what happens. Yeah. And the San Diego Padres, Jose Castillo, was diagnosed with a UCL tear on Thursday. He will undergo Tommy John surgery and miss the entire 2021 season. That's a crappy way to start the year, too. Yeah. Yeah, good old Tommy John, taking ligaments out of your knee and putting them in your elbow. Telling you, the people who have had Tommy John are going to be, like, limping as old people. Yeah. And the last injury I have for baseball is that New York Yankees manager Aaron Boone took an immediate medical leave of absence to receive a pacemaker. The surgery was performed on Wednesday evening in Tampa. He could return to the dugout in two to three days, according to the GM, Brian Cashman, which I think is very soon, but I'm not the GM. And bench coach Carlos Mendoza will assume the role of acting manager in Boone's absence. I have one more injury to add. The Diamondbacks' Cole Calhoun will undergo surgery for a torn meniscus. Okay. Which was found after an MRI was used due to an inflamed knee that he had. Well, yeah, your your knee's gonna blow it up a little bit when you tear stuff in it. Well, they, they didn't know that it was torn, but uh, the MRI was like, hey, dude, there's something a little more serious going on than you think there is, so... Yeah. But in other news, Eduardo Rodriguez pitched for the first time in 356 days, Whew. following him being pulled in 2020 due to an inflammatory heart condition called myocarditis. He pitched for two and two-thirds innings against the Rays for 46 pitches. That's like a normal outing for spring training. They like to get a lot of pitchers through the rotation just to give them some time. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm not shocked to hear that. Like, usually two to three innings, and that's it. I believe, if I remember correctly, that they found this after he had gotten over COVID, so they weren't sure if he got it from COVID or he had it before COVID. And they just happened to notice it because and they, of it. Yeah, and so it seems like everything's taken care of. He's ready to go. That's good. There's another health-related one. Trey Mancini took his first at-bat since his battle with colon cancer, uh, which began a little over a year ago. He overcame colon cancer and came back to play baseball. Yeah. Uh, Nationals' John Lester will also undergo surgery this week to remove his thyroid gland. Thyroid cancer? They're not really speaking beyond what the reason the surgery exists for, but... Probably. They very rarely want to take out your thyroid unless it's something like that because of it producing certain chemicals that your body needs for hormones and body chemistry stuff. Yeah. Continuing the sad news train, I guess. Following an investigation, Commissioner Robert D. Manfred Jr. announced on Friday, March 5th, that free agent pitcher Sam Dyson of 
the Minnesota Twins has been suspended for the entire 2021 season and postseason under the MLB's Joint Domestic Violence, Sexual Assault, and Child Abuse Policy. Dyson will participate in a confidential and comprehensive evaluation and treatment program supervised by the Joint Policy Board. Now, I'll tell you why you hate this man for multiple reasons. I feel like I don't need to be told why. Well, if you don't know the whole story, he obviously was abusive to his girlfriend. I figured. But in the process before that, he was abusing his girlfriend's cat. So he's an animal abuser and a woman abuser. So it's just like, oof. As they say on that Netflix documentary thing, don't F with cats. Yeah. Like, I don't excuse abuse, but, like, pet endangerment and stuff really gets me hot under the collar. Yeah, when I read that one, I was, uh, I'm like, well, if Liberty puts this in her notes, she's definitely gonna have some things to say. They didn't mention that in the article I read. Yeah. Like, I already hated him, but now I, like, super hate him. Yeah. He's on the same list as the helmet guy now. He's on a worse (laughs) list than the helmet guy, if I'm being honest. Yeah. But in signings, since I don't want to touch that with a 10-foot pole. (laughs) The Milwaukee Brewers have signed free agent Jackie Bradley Jr. to a two-year, $24 million contract that offers Bradley an opt-out after the first year. I don't know why you would put an opt-in or opt-out in something like that. He'd forfeit, I believe it was like a third of the contract, though, in the process of doing that, so it's a pretty big chunk of money, to Mm. say the least. Also, the Royals signed Hunter Dozier to a four-year contract extension worth $25 million. Pretty big signing there. Yeah. The Astros agreed to a two-year deal with free agent right-hander Jack Odorizzi. Jack or Jake? Probably Jake. Okay. It says Jake. I said Jack. (laughs) With a 2023 player option, I didn't find any numbers for what this deal came out to be. Uh, the contract is valued at a little under $30 million, but yeah. Hopefully it actually says Jake on the contract. Yeah, it's so not Jack. Jack. Yeah. <laughs> Be like, oops, uh, I guess we have to figure out who this Jack guy is. <laughs> giving him some money. Staying on the subject of the Astros, the Astros this week reported that eight of their pitchers were unavailable this week due to COVID-19 protocol. How many pitchers do they have? A lot, because you have starting pitchers, relief pitchers, and closers. And then right now, because you're in spring training, they carry a little larger roster, so a lot. That's almost half a hockey team. Jeez. Yeah. California MLB teams will be allowed to have fans attend games starting April 1st in a reduced capacity. At the beginning of the season, basically, they will have access to uh, having fans in their stadium, but it will be... What's the diminished capacity? They haven't announced the percentages yet. They're partnering with individual organizations and kind of planning out what they're going to be able to fit. Hmm. But everybody that's hating on Gavin Newsom, clearly he's not a monster. He wants you to watch baseball in person. I don't know why he would curse people like that, but all right. It's no worse than here in Texas. No, I just meant going to see a baseball game is like cursing someone. Oh. But also you could get COVID, so it's like a double hex or curse on you. (laughs) But what I thought was really weird looking up news this week is I had the most news for the NBA, which... I'm right there with you. I am not a fan of because I don't like basketball. I almost said baseball. I don't like either one of those. You don't like basketball? So this first thing is actually something that was discussed across multiple leagues, but this was the first place that I found it, and it's that a study was published on Thursday, March 4th in the JAMA Cardiology that suggests that heart inflammation is an uncommon side effect or long-haul symptom in pro-athletes who've had mild cases of COVID. The research involved professional athletes who play football, hockey, soccer, baseball, and basketball. All of these players had tested positive for COVID before October and were given heart tests. The study included less than 800 total athletes, so this is definitely not something to, like, hang your hat on, but it's considered a good sign. Almost 4% had abnormal results on the heart test done after they recovered, but subsequent MRI exams found heart inflammation in less than 1% of the athletes. So they had weird results, but it's not all because of heart inflammation, only 1%. 
And these five athletes, that 1%, all had COVID, but whether their heart problems were caused by the virus is actually unknown because a problem with this is that they don't have before and after tests to like compare the results. Mm. And like this study is flawed on so many different levels, one of which is that the players weren't given like a uniform test and like standard and it wasn't given by the same people who like analyze it and go through the results it's at each facility that they were tested at they were analyzing the results and handing that over to the people who were doing the study so like you don't have any uniform tests you don't have uniform like standards for what is considered abnormal what's not you only had 800 less than 800 people in your whole study so like it's good that they're doing testing but it's it's a very flawed thing that they're doing and like does it sound like it's trending towards something yes is this an actual provable scientific study no no but i mean it is interesting in that it seems like if you're a very healthy adult who has a mild case of covid you may not have long haul symptoms but this is kind of what we've been expecting anyway over the past year yeah I think some leagues are taking these results as, like, more valuable than what I consider them to be, but they're also, like, professional sports leagues, so I'm not surprised. Right. It's still good data to get, though, nonetheless. Like, just getting a little bit more of a grasp on long-term left-behind issues. Well, but if you consider the fact that they don't have any prior testing to compare it to, then technically the results don't mean anything. Yeah, for all you know, they already had it. Yeah, so just something to consider when looking at something like this. And then the last piece of COVID-related news that I had for the NBA is that the game scheduled for Sunday, February 28th between the Chicago Bulls and the Toronto Raptors was postponed due to health and safety issues. This is because of positive test results and ongoing contact tracing within the Raptors team, which didn't allow them to have the required eight players to proceed with the game. Yeah, so last week there were seven positive tests of the 456 players for COVID-19 last week, and five of them were Toronto Raptors players, so... It was messy, to say the least. So you know that team's doing something wrong. Yeah. They also announced that they had several staff members that tested positive, but they didn't, like... Included in that How many numbers, yeah. Yeah. Well, and, like, I proposed to you the other day when I read this that what they should do is if you're unable to field a full roster, full eight-man roster, then you should have to forfeit the game since it's your fault you can't play. Instead of postponing it. And I feel like at that point, they would actually take this seriously. I think it's been a year now, and they're just deciding that they don't care anymore. Yeah. They still, obviously, in the NBA have had fractions of fractions of positive tests. Like, it's a small, small percentage. So, there's people that are taking it seriously. It's just certain teams are struggling with it But when you have a team who it feels like they're not taking it seriously because five people out of the seven who tested positive for the week are all on one team. Yeah, there's a problem. Like, the team has a problem. Yeah. So, if the team has a problem, they should have to forfeit the games. I know the NBA is investigating to see what they can do to stop the problems. Early reports that I was reading about basically stated that the teams weren't wearing their masks in close situations. Because they stopped caring. Because you can only care about something for so long before you get fatigued by it. But in more exciting news, I guess, the NBA commissioner Adam Silver announced this week that the next season he is aiming for is going to be a full 82-game regular season versus this year's shorter 72-game schedule. So the 21 and 22 season? Yeah, it expects it to start in October and not in December like this season started, so. I think that's a stretch. I think November, late November, early December would be more likely because you have all these postponed games, which you wouldn't have if you went with my thing that I said earlier. Yeah. I mean, you probably still would have some, but maybe less. Also this week, the NBA announced that the All-Star Game will provide $3 million uh, worth of money total to be split based on outcomes of the All-Star events to either the Thorogood Marshall College Fund or the United Negro College Fund. Uh, Each will be given $500,000 in scholarship funding before the game even starts. 
basically each team represents one of the charities and based off of who has the lead at the end of each quarter there's going to be so many dollars donated to each charity for the collegiate like scholarship funds and then the winner obviously will get a large chunk and then the individual like all-star breakout events like the slam dunk contest like the winner from each team will get more monies for their charity so i thought that was kind of cool like it made the players really like like yeah we're gonna do work for this you know college fund yeah, they have more of an incentive to actually try. Yeah, instead of just being like alley-oop contests, which is what the NBA All-Star Games have pretty much always been. Well, I've got some injuries here. The Dallas Mavericks star Luka Doncic, that's one, was ruled out against Oklahoma City on Wednesday night. He was sidelined by a lower back tightness, but his coach Rick Carlisle said it shouldn't cost him his second All-Star appearance. He was voted an all-star starter and is also in the skills competition. So we should see him today. Yeah, tonight. Then you have LeBron James of the LA Lakers who sat out on Wednesday due to a sprained left ankle. This was his first missed game in the 2021 season. He had sprained his ankle before the Lakers game against the Phoenix Suns on Tuesday, but decided to play for the game. The LA Clippers played Tuesday's game against the Boston Celtics without All-Star Kawhi Leonard, who sat out the game due to back spasms. He was listed as a starter before the game, but never took the floor during warm-ups. So far, he has missed seven games this season, but apparently for multiple reasons. Yeah. He is the Clippers' leading scorer, so it's really no surprise the team lost to Boston in that one. Yeah, he... uh... It's pretty much been dominant since he's come into the NBA, and a lot of people didn't expect him to be quite that dominant. Like, he had a good collegiate career. He was drafted in his junior year. It's not a shocker that he's doing good things. Yeah, I feel like he's a little young to be having back spasms, but he also kind of wrecks his body playing sports, so... The Detroit Pistons announced on March 5th that the club has reached a buyout agreement with Blake Griffin. Terms of the agreement were not disclosed. He'll end up clearing waivers today, uh, which would allow him to sign with a new team technically later today or early Monday. He will have to give back $13.1 million of his contract. uh, Yikes. Just due to the fact that he didn't play out the remainder of the season. The contract would have ended at the end of this year anyways, so I don't know why they would have come to these terms, but there's a lot of links with him being added to the already stacked Nets roster, so... I wouldn't mind seeing that. I think it would be fun to have Kyrie, Durant, the beard, and him all in one place. I think that would be really interesting. Joel Embiid this week pledged his $100,000 worth of winnings to local homeless shelters in the city of Philadelphia. The charities that will be receiving the money will be Project Home, Sunday Breakfast uh, Mission, and Youth Services, Inc. All of them help with housing or educating homeless youth or adults to try to get jobs in the local community in Philadelphia. So, pretty cool stuff. It's too bad he's on a team in Philadelphia, but we'll forgive him this time. Yeah, because he does nice things. Yes. Gotcha. But in opposite sort of news from that, you had the Utah Jazz guard Donovan Mitchell, who has been fined $25,000 for public criticism of the officiating and his conduct while exiting the playing field court after Utah's loss to the Philadelphia 76ers on March 23rd. Yeah, he got a double technical and uh, was thrown out of the game, but I'm not shocked. He's not like a hothead, but he definitely is one of those like very passionate athletes where it's just like, it's just a slim line, you know, for someone to cross and sometimes he, he crosses it. So it's not like a situation where every season he's blowing up at referees, but like he definitely let off a little bit of steam in that instance. Well, but then from the Jazz, you also had their center, Rudy Gobert. Gobert. That's the one. Mm-hmm. Who has been fined $20,000 for public criticism of the officiating for the same game. Mm-hmm. So the Jazz team needs to get something under control here. Yeah. I can agree that if there's a bad call, you really want to say something about it. But, like, you talk to the official, you don't, like make a big deal after the fact because enough people are causing sort of criticism about officiating then you're gonna have problems 
Yeah, Rudy Gobert, and I, I know you remember him, and I'll tell you the story as to how you remember him. About a year ago, when the sports world shut down, he was the player that in the press conference was joking about having COVID-19 and coughing on the microphone and then ended up finding out that uh, three players on his team got sick because they were doing press conferences after him. Yeah. So he's a good guy, to say the least. Is he, though? No. Yeah. He's very tall, though, which makes him a good basketball player. I was like, how did that connect with what you were saying? <laughs> For yeah. me, that didn't track. Yeah. Um, but the All-Star Game rosters were announced. You have Team Durant versus Team LeBron. On Team Durant, he will not be able to play in the game because he's injured himself last week. Uh, you have Bradley Beal, Joel Embiid, Kyrie Irving, Kawhi Leonard, Jason Tatum, Mike Conley, James Harden, Zach Levine, Donovan Mitchell, Julius Randle, Nikola Vucevic, Zion Williamson, and Devin Booker. It's a fun long list of team players. For Team LeBron, you obviously have LeBron James. Well, how obviously the other guy's captain didn't yeah. get to be on the roster. Well, he's hurt, so but LeBron's going to play. So Just saying, not so obvious. Yeah. Go you, on. you have Giannis. Uh, Steph Curry, Luka Doncic, and Nikola Jokic, or the Joker for your nuggies. I know you like them. Jalen Brown, Paul George, Rudy Gobert, Damian Lillard, Domantas Sabonis, Ben Simmons, and Chris Paul. That's all the players. Thank God. Yeah. In non-All-Star related news, you had the Atlanta Hawks coach Lloyd Pierce, who was fired on Monday, March 1st, following a disappointing start to the season. A short time later, the Hawks announced that the assistant coach, Nate McMillan, had been named interim head coach for the team. They'll probably find a permanent person after the season's over. I would imagine. And then the last bit of NBA news I have is that Buddy Heald of the Sacramento Kings scored his 1,000th three-pointer in the game against Charlotte on Sunday, February 28th. This is the shortest time in NBA history with him achieving this milestone in just 350 career games. This bests the previous record held by Stephen Curry with 369 games. So I know that it's spelt Stephen, like my name, but it, it's Stephen Curry for them. But See, my brain wanted to say that and I was like, there's no A in there. It has to be Stephen. Yeah. <laughs> so at least like my brain kind of tripped over it before I went there. And, and that's part of the reason I get Stephen so much is thanks to Steph Curry. Um, so I get it. That was a, a mistake that we should have known was coming. I set you up for failure. Anyway, Stephanie did very well. Stephanie? Yes. Okay. We're saying things that aren't there. Why not? Right. Do you have MLS news? I know that's your favorite thing to go I on. do. The bigger question is, do you? No, of course. That's not a big question. Okay. So there's a few things. Okay. The first one being that MLS and Inter Milan are in settlement talks related to the trademark battle over the use of the word Inter. In 2014, Inter Milan filed for a trademark saying that the term Inter is synonymous with Inter Milan. That's so stupid. In 2018, MLS applied for its own trademark for the name Inter Miami CF and subsequently filed an opposition to Inter Milan's trademark efforts in 2019. It's really not surprising that they're trying to settle this outside of the courts because the litigation is expensive. It almost sounds as stupid as if, like, Bayern Munich was like, you know what, FC is going to be ours forever now. It's like, no, that's dumb. It's more like if you said Bayern yeah. and no one could use it. Yeah. It's that yeah. kind of stupid. Uh, and it's really dumb. I don't think either one of them should have control over the word enter. Yeah. But speaking about Miami, MLS has announced that it is investigating Inter Miami's signing of midfielder Blaise Matuti. The France International joined Inter Miami on free transfer in August of 2020. At the time of the transfer, there was surprise that a player of his caliber, having just won the World Cup two years before, was signed with the help of targeted allocation money and not as a designated player. And according to the MLS's roster rules for 2020, this meant that his salary was at least $612,500, but no more than $1,612,500. 
The league is investigating whether he was paid additional money with the knowledge of Inter-Miami and in addition to what is specified in the player's contract. I was going to say, that's a little fishy. Yes. so what's probably happened or what they assume has happened is that he's getting paid under the table so that they can use certain monies for him versus other monies. Yeah. Which is stupid. It kind of makes sense, though. And the ugliest MLS news coming out this week, which, surprise, surprise, because, like, there's so much. Orlando City SC and the MLS have terminated defender Jonathan Suarez following his arrest on sexual battery charges. Good. Get rid of him. He and his brother, Rafael Suarez Jr., were being held without bond after a woman reported that they had sexually assaulted her on February 21st. Good. Yeah. I hope they were out in jail. That's awful. Just all bad things coming out of the MLS this week. It's all out of Florida MLS, too. Florida man. In Bundesliga news, yesterday was Der Klassiker. So you wanted to start off this portion with a fight, I see. I'll be honest, I was at work. I didn't get to watch the game. I still haven't watched the highlights, which makes me very sad. You mean the lowlights? For you. The first nine minutes in the second and the ninth minute, I I thought it was over. I thought you guys had it. Like, you were up 2-0 in nine minutes. Like, in my mind, I'm like, my team's falling apart. Yeah, Holland scored both those goals. Yeah, and then Lewandowski said, hold my beer, and scored three goals. Had a hat trick. And then Leon Goretzka scored the third goal in the 88th minute. So Lewandowski was on the board on the 26th, the 44th with a PK, and the 90th minute of the game. Yeah. So, leaving Bayern Munich with four unanswered goals to win 4-2. to Definitely not what I expected to happen, that's for sure. So. It's not what I expected to happen. I was very prepared for you to lose after the first nine minutes. I was waiting for the trash talk to come through to my phone, and then it didn't, and I was like, why is this happening? And then I looked, and I was like, oh, it's 2-2. Two to two. <laughs> I'm like... Well, the trash talk wasn't coming because I was busy, but yeah. okay. Yeah. Uh, we'll jump into basically the standings as it sits currently for the Bundesliga. You have Bayern Munich in first place with 55 points, Red Bull Leipzig with 53 points in second, VfL Wolfsburg in third with 45 points, uh, Frankfurt in fourth with 43 points, and Leverskin in fifth with 40 points, and Dortmund currently sitting in sixth place with 39 points. You're still not that far back. Like, that top group is so tight yeah it's like not the end of the world yet as it sits currently we have a battle going on between man city and manchester united man city sits in first place in the premier league with 65 points manchester united is currently in second with 54 points leicester city in third with 53 points chelsea in fourth with 47 points and everton in fifth with 46 points um, you guys are currently beating Manchester City two to zero. It's not over yet, but that's obviously two to zero is not a lead anymore. Yeah, at least not for my teams. And Newcastle United has moved up to sixteenth place from seventeenth with a draw yesterday. So mediocre. Good yeah. job. We did it. We tied two games in a row now. You didn't lose. Yeah, pretty much. It's been a rocky year to say the least. Yeah. But I think that pretty much wraps up all of our world of sports news for you. Yeah. We will, I guess, catch you on Thursday with a book episode. The better of the episodes. Where I will be talking about finishing the second book in The Hunger Games and all the book news. Yep. So we will see you guys then. In the meantime, make sure you're checking out all our social media, which will be linked in the show notes. Catch you next time, guys. Bye. Bye.